This is Rabbi Sharon Brous, Rabbi Yadi Kar, where we're dedicated to reinvigorating Jewish community, ritual, and learning, all while laying the foundation for a just and loving society. You're listening to Ikar's podcast, where you can hear our sermons from Shabbat and holidays, our teachings, our guest speakers, basically anything we think worth hearing that we can capture and stream, you can listen to right here. The whole Megillah. I mean, literally, the whole Megillah. So thank you so much for being with us. You are awesome today. In a really dark time, to see you stand here with such courage and integrity and to bring us all together, you gave us all a great gift today. So thank you to that and thank you to your whole family. It's a Rabbi Browse size stand. <laughs> I have promised myself to stop saying it can't get worse. I'm not taking personal blame, but I am noticing that every time I say that, it gets worse. So these last couple years have been COVID-filled and racist-filled and homophobic-filled, misogynistic-filled. Pick any group of people you love, they've been attacked. And people are whipping up into greater and greater extremity about all of it. And that's not to mention what happened slightly over a month ago the crossing of borders, the taking of hostages, the incredible level of violence. The only reason I'm not going to say anything about that is because I have been so proud of the leadership of the clergy at Ikar, and especially our own beloved Rabbi Braus. who has been such a voice of courage and wisdom and sanity and a, a courageous voice for a liberal Zionism that remembers that we will all get to the other side together or we none of us will, and did that with a sense of loyalty and love for Israel and for our families there at the same time. Thank you for showing us that it is possible to be nuanced and strong. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about why we need each other and what we can be doing for each other, especially now. All of those crises are also opportunities. They are also occasions in which we can imagine the world the way God wants it to be, rather than what we have settled for across the years. And that the world that God wants is a world in which human diversity and dignity are seen for what they are, sources of blessing and strength and real power. Not the kind that is coerced, but the kind that is invited and bubbles up. 
Halo kivne kivshuim atem li bene Yisrael neumadonai. Halo et Yisrael heeliti me eretz mitzrayim uflishtim mikaftor ve'aram mikir. To me, Israelites, you are just like the Ethiopians, declares the Holy One. True, I brought Israel up from the land of Egypt, but also the Philistines from Kaftor and the Arameans from Kir. These incredible words from the prophet Amos invite us to what I think of as an expansive tribalism. Know who you are. Know that you have an identity. Know that your neighbor has an identity too. And that, in fact, each of us having an identity is how we can connect. So that it isn't some false universalism in which we are expected to become invisible for the sake of harmony. To the contrary, it's an invitation to lean into the actual concrete details of who we are. Because it turns out that each of us has a history, and a home, and an identity, and an orientation, and a gender, and on and on and on, that isn't separate from who we are. It is constitutive of who we are. It makes us us. I remember the cartoon character Linus in Peanuts, who many, many years ago, and I see the altar rockers nodding their heads, which you never know is just a tick or is actually consent. I'm now old enough to make that joke. Linus used to say, I love humanity, it's people I can't stand. So in this time of challenge, I want to invite us to dig deep into our specific identities, but not to see them as competitive with each other, but rather as avenues in to a variegated humanity, which we all share in distinct ways. We are linked to each other, us, in covenant. Our tradition teaches us that the embodiment of the universe selected us distinctively. But you've already heard the words of the prophet Amos. That's not to say that other peoples are not also chosen in their distinctiveness. They also are called to be them. But we don't make the world better when we stop being us, when we hide in public, when we make ourselves neutral. We can at one and the same time embrace Jewish distinctiveness and pride and love the fact that our neighbors and our fellow human beings are also proud and should be. The prophet Malachi, have we not all one parent? Did not one God create us? So why do we break faith with one another, profaning the covenant of our ancestors? I want to invite us to think about covenanting with each other, now, here, today. The beauty of covenant is that it is both timeless and contemporary. 
Lo et avotenu karat Adonai et habrit hazot. It is not with our ancestors that the Holy One made this covenant, says the book of Deuteronomy, but with us, the living, each of us here today. All of us are brought together by a shared common heritage and a beautiful destiny. But we have to live it not as an ancient memory. We define it for us now. It is not the property of our ancestors. It is ours for a moment. And then it will be owned by those who come after us. And that promise is reciprocal. It is that there is a divinity that will give us the courage to succeed if we also rise up for the role that God needs from us. God cannot live out this covenant, cannot magically make this future if we don't do the work now, together, all of us. And so I want to offer you a couple traits that we can embody to become this beloved and covenanted community together for us and for the world. The first is I want to say that love is as love does. Love that is just a feeling is a form of indigestion. You're going to quote that someday, and I won't remember having ever said it. (laughs) If it's just a feeling, then for God's sake, take a tablet, lie down, it'll go away. But we all know, those of us who actually love and are loved, that love is a memory of actions. Love is a rising up and a being present. There's a wonderful ancient rabbinic saying in Tana Deve Eliyahu. It puts these words into God's mouth, so to speak. This is what the Holy One said to Israel. My children, I have withheld nothing from you. And what do I seek from you in return? I seek no more than that you love one another and honor one another. Can we model that better here? Can we be a place where we honor and love each other in our actuality? That is to say, to be a bit more forgiving to each other, and God knows to the staff. Can we assume that people mean the best possible version? Can we assume that everyone is trying their best? Can we assume that everybody is seeking understanding as best they can, and holding on in their brokenness as best they can. If we're able to do as we love, our love is translated into the most irrepressible power that humanity has at its disposal. This entire enterprise, by which I mean Ikar, by which I mean Judaism, by which I mean morality, is powered on the idea that love is the greatest force in the cosmos, that we were birthed out of love, 
that this universe came into existence because of love, and the, we can outlove the hate. Two, that acting of love, that doing of love, must be manifest in generosity. And I mean two kinds of generosity here. I mean the generosity of sharing. The difference between property and gift is that one is freely received and then shared with others, and property is held as a monopoly, which means you never get to rest. If you own something precious, you stick it in a vault because someone wants to take it from you. But if someone gives you a gift, then you turn to your neighbor and say, hey, let's enjoy this together, because it came unexpected, and I'll enjoy it more if we share. So can we motivate ourselves with that kind of sharing generosity? And then the second kind is to assess people charitably. I want to share with you, I think, one of the wackiest Jewish teachings I know. The rabbis teach in the Talmud that when God gave the Torah to Moses, God meant for Moses to keep it. Did you ever notice, I hadn't, that nowhere in the Torah does God say, I'm just giving this to you to share. God says, come on up to the mountaintop, and here I'm giving you the Torah. And it's Moses who says, this is too good for me to hold on to. This is so good that I need to share it, and he shares it with everybody. And we have been sharing it ever since. First, with each new generation of people who come to the ECC and the Yiladim, but, but also, Limudim, but also, we have shared it with humanity. Thanks to two other religions you may have heard of, one is called Christianity, and the other is called Islam. Our holy people are their holy people, and our greatest teachings are their teachings. Can you imagine what a miracle that is? Our Torah belongs to the world. Can we muster that same generosity now? Can we say of Moses' gift that we can be most like Moses if we share it? Not by judging, not by pointing out when others have failed in our understanding of it, but rather in understanding that this radical, radical book is the one that says that every single person counts and that God didn't make them as a mistake so that as they are, each person is an act of revelation. And then the last teaching I want us to hold on to is curiosity. One of the weirdest and best lines in the Talmud, lo tetev eracha ad shema li laha milta, don't sit down until you explain this to me. Which is often how I feel reading the Talmud. But think of the curiosity. Our greatest book, other than the Torah, is a book of 5,000 disputes, of which only 50 are concluded. We laugh at that 
but that's why we read it. A book that has all the answers is outdated. When is the last time you read a medieval book of medical cures? <laughs> the energy is never in the answers, it's in the questioning. It's in the conversation. Can we cultivate a holy curiosity so that we are interested in why would someone think differently than we do? Someone acts differently than we do. Can we get to know them so they can tell us about themselves and so that we can then tell them about us and so that our sense of us becomes bigger in that exchange? When our people were first in the land of Israel, we had no government. We were held together by a set of shared convictions and a set of shared ideas. And that was sufficient. With the advent of monarchy and rules and regulations, we became judgy and brittle and defensive, just like everybody else. Can we go back to a days of covenant? Let us here at ICAR model what it means to be a covenanted community, a place that is curious and generous and resilient so that others watching us can do the same. Shabbat Shalom. It's Rabbi Brass again. Thank you so much for listening. Want more content like this? I hope you'll subscribe. And please consider making a contribution to Ikar so we can continue to work toward the fulfillment of our mission to reanimate Jewish life, to embody moral courage, to nurture the spirit, and to work to decipher what it means to be a human being in the world today. Visit our website at ikar.org. That's I K A R.org. And I hope to see you, maybe even in person, sometime soon. <laughs>